Welcome to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. This is a show about how to build an esports business from literally anywhere in the world, where each week we showcase the journey of one inspiring esports entrepreneur and learn how they solved a particular problem that everyone will ultimately face. And now, to your host, Tom Leonard. Hey there, I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, I am definitely not the expert. I'm more of an explorer. The goal of the podcast is to talk to esports entrepreneurs from around the world to hear their stories of how esports can create jobs and to maybe inspire others to do the same. Our tagline is play games, create jobs, change lives. Now today I'm really honored to have Demond Kaship co-founder and CEO of Resilience Esports and ex-head of operations at the Esports Federation of India. Welcome, Diman. Hey, hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me in the show. And uh, when it's about gaming, I really feel good to go and, and uh, you know, speak a lot of things about gaming. I really uh, love that you guys are also doing the same. And, and yes, uh, do, do ask me a lot of questions and, and I really, I'd really love to answer them for you. No, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time here. Uh, where are you speaking to us from? So I'm currently based out in uh, Delhi, the capital city of India. Uh, we have our offices here. So obviously, uh, uh, I'm from Delhi as of now. And uh, India is a very big country. So obviously, uh, uh, current, uh, the, the places that I have to travel across uh, is also uh, uh, quite, you can say, uh, different in terms of the... Uh, work that I have to do. But right now I'm based out in Delhi. I don't know where I'll be next week. And uh, yeah, that's it. So Delhi, that, that's that's a pretty uh, much of a tech hub there, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Currently uh, it has over, you know, uh, it has crossed Bengaluru, which was the previous tech hub in India as the current startup capital of India. And recently a lot of offices have uh, set up near Delhi. And also, uh, there are a few tech companies in Gurgaon and Noida as well, which are also the, uh, I mean, uh, near the capital region. So, yes, uh, a lot of companies are here in the tech side. And also a lot of uh, great gaming companies are also starting up to do a lot of, you know, uh, good work in the Indian region as well. Got it. Got it. Can you tell us maybe a little bit about how you got started in esports, how you got started in gaming? It's always an interesting story to hear how people started out. Sure. Uh, so I was I was basically working in the finance side of uh, of different companies. And at the same time, I am also an engineer. So uh, during the college days, there was a lot of gaming sessions being done. And I had participated in a lot of gaming uh, tournaments as well. So in the long run, it's something that's always, you know, near and close to my heart. So I was basically uh, uh, doing a lot of uh, research, ground level research on what currently India lacks in the gaming and the esports sector. So me and my friend, we started off to see that, hey, uh, a lot of gamers are currently doing, you know, pretty well. And it's also started to boom in the Indian region and also not just in India, but in the Asian level as well. So we thought, why not we start something, maybe uh, look into the core levels of what we are missing. And we found out that a lot of people in the creator side economy are being, you know, very, very less 
uh, uh, you can say getting very less opportunities, getting less monetization policies, etc. So we started off with a little bit of, you know, small size creators of around 50 to 60. And then once we uh, started to know about what their requirements are, what problems they are facing, we started to work with a lot of companies. We started to work with a lot of agencies, etc., etc. And then fortunately, currently we run the India's largest content creator program with more than 5,000 plus creators. And also on a global level, we have a lot of people. So, that so that's, uh, that's, sorry to interrupt, that, that's uh, resilient esports, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, so when you were, back when you were starting out, what kind of games did you play? I used to play CS 1.6 in the competitive side. I used to play Dota 2 as well. Uh, then we had this wonderful, I can say, uh, casual gaming sessions where we used to play a lot of uh, different kinds of games. Obviously, I started off with Road Rash. There were total overdose sessions as well. So, I mean, a lot of a variety of games. I, I, I can probably say that I have played quite a number of games. And uh, there are also, I mean, like times where, I mean, you know, like these gaming missions or maybe the games that I used to play, these characters sometimes are resembled with some other people. So it's basically, you can say, real-life activities from the gaming side. And obviously, it's a, it's, it's something like that. Uh, uh, it's it's it, it's it's also a very big uh, area where you get to, you know, find peace. And, and maybe when you are uh, having a very, very, you can say, hectic week, a session of gaming with your friends, with your colleagues, or, or with, with people that you love, uh, or maybe even finding new people there, uh, relevant people. So it basically uh, can give you give you a lot of recreation and entertainment. At the same time, I have a lot of stories to tell to the people as well. Uh, we hear that over and over again that uh, <laughs> about the the escape part of it, which which I think so many people can can identify, no matter where they are in the world. Exactly. So you went out and you <clears throat> you you started resilience. Mm-hmm. Was there a team? Was there a group of you? The other thing that the other theme that we seem to find here a lot is that people didn't just well, people go out and do things. They don't just sit around and wait for someone to give them permission. They go out and do things, but they also form a team. They find other people to to help them. You know, a very esports type of uh, approach to uh, to business. So, did you find a group of people to start resilience with? Exactly, exactly. So uh, when we started off. Uh, uh, I, I consider myself as the most luckiest guy here because I have a very, very beautiful set of people still now. And and these are the core members that we started off with past, you can say, 11, 12 months ago. Uh, my other co-father, Ankita, she is one of the uh, youngest in the lot. She is just 21 and she has one of the largest pharmaceutical businesses in the conventional side uh, in India. And... Currently, she handles the financial side of residence as the CFO and the CEO. So she is uh, my real-life friend as well. I know her since a very long time, and I, I could see that how could, you know, like she fit the role, and, and she was, uh, you know, like talking with a lot of people as well, her experience, then the core set of them with Ronnie being the operations head, uh, uh, Bhaskar, my college senior, who was also very much enthusiastic about gaming, same like me. Uh, we were into dramatics together. We know each other from the past uh, 17 years uh, down the lane. Then, and, and there were a lot of other people whom I knew personally were you know, trying to do a lot of different kinds of job 
uh, available in the environment, but they were very, very, you know, uh, vivid gamers and also wanted to do things which are you know, very much exciting, like working in a gaming company specifically. So obviously, when we had a conversation about how we can help them grow and potentially see the business grow as well, they were pretty much confident in the product, the vision that we had and also have currently for the past 10, 15 years, for the, sorry, in the next 10, 15 years as well. So they said that, hey, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's create some uh, memories together. So uh, obviously, when we started off uh, the whole journey, and, uh, and and these things started, you know, coming up. Uh, I mean, a lot of people also wanted to approach us. So we could we could see that there is a team. And, uh, you know, like uh, every day you find uh, new people also to talk to. And at the same time, uh, I can find a lot of relevance to, you know, like talk to these young guys uh, who are specifically trying to do something new and and you know give the motivation because at the end of the day when when you have a team i mean the best part is how much you retain after 10 years so whatever business we do uh whatever things we build that is very very important but at the same time is it with the same people or is it with a new team but i feel very lucky enough i don't know mean why but uh, these people the people that uh, uh i have currently with me i personally know them for a very long period of time the core team is quite you know, uh, enthusiastic about working with each other for the next couple of years as well. So, uh, I mean, yes, uh, that's how uh, we do have a team with us currently. Yeah, what, what a great story. What a great story. Okay. The other thing I like hearing you talk about is 10 to 15 years, you know, what, what's the time frame look like for out then? So um, the other thing that we always talk, end up coming back to with a lot of people is people – who are doing things out there think really, really big. It's like people aren't thinking like, that's how, how, how do we do this little th- thing? It's like, no, how do we do this really, really big thing? Want to talk about content creators there at Resilience because that seems to be a big part of the business. Can you describe more what, for the audience, what a content creator is and how you work with them at Resilience? So there are a lot of uh, different genres of people who are trying to, you know, create, uh, you can say, different ways of uh, of talking to people or maybe uh, portraying, you know, a different side of, uh, you can say, uh, activities that have been done uh, in, in a controlled environment. And obviously, they want to promote it in the public as well so that the people can find inspiration from it. Or maybe people can actually take that as a whole, or maybe giving even a normal kind of information over in the public as well. So specifically, there are a lot of content creators that we are currently uh, working with in Resilience. And the best part is that the uniqueness of each content creator comes from a very, very variety of uh, substances in part of making their content. Some has a very unique voice, some has a very unique way of uh, uh, speaking the particular accent, Somebody has very, very huge uh, uh, admiration just because of his gameplay or her gameplay. Um, there are even creators with good face values, good skill sets. Uh, and the best part is their journey. And if you ask me what is a content creator as of now in Resilience, I mean, we consider each and every individual the potential content creator for the next coming years because... Every day nowadays clicks a photograph or maybe takes a video of going somewhere 
or with their friends, birthday parties, etc. The moment, I mean, they share the video in the social media, I mean, they are sharing content. So, it's in short, they are a content creator because they are creating that content, they are creating that IP, they are creating that particular, you know, source uh, where that that particular uh, content piece has, I mean, has been taken. So, in short, uh, the number of people admiring that particular thing also comes to the baseline as well. But in resilience, we do work with people who are potentially growing, uh, potentially trying to be, you know, having a very, very huge uh, follower base. Or maybe today they have maybe hundreds or thousands, but <clears throat> sorry, we, we love working with each and every individual. And that's the best part of our journey as well because the numbers that we work with are quite huge there have been stories there are stories even available where uh you know there uh, are people uh, of uh, the age group around 16 17 who started off in a journey with more than you know uh, 100 or 200 or people uh, as the follower base and are now in millions and and they really love working with us and the same goes for us as well so when you when you're when you are looking for content creators to to work with at sure. Resilience, what are the kinds of things you look for in someone? It sounds like you're talking about, you know, some people start you know, very small, but you see something there. What What is it that you're looking for in people to spend your you know t- time and effort at Resilience with, with them? Sure. First of all, we see how many uh, hours they're dedicating to that particular, uh, you can say, activity as in the creation of the content, uh, how many frequent they are active, uh, their dedication, we talk with them, we know what vision they have for the next five years. Are they just uh, here for the money? Uh, because, I mean, you know content creators are a lot of, you know, uh, uh, fame and money at the same time. So are they here for the, you can say, uh, are they here for the journey? Or like what's, it's basically the vibe they create with us with our talent managers specifically. And at the same time, we also see how are they currently doing in the market uh, region as well. I mean, do they have any kind of you know, USBs available? Or not just that, the best part that we do is uh, even if we do not work with someone, there have been things and sessions where our talent managers actually help them to say that, hey, you can do this and maybe uh, that can be a good thing for you in the future. And if it works, then yes, we are already here. So why not you try and look into it? So that way also uh, uh, there have been, you know, conversations going down the line where our talent managers say, hey, Diman, we had a talk with this guy today. And uh, he's a very, very great guy to talk with. And uh, he wants to try this new thing for the next three months and see if, if that works out for him. Yeah, he's definitely in for us. Or she is definitely in for us. So I'm saying, yeah, let's wait and see. So a lot of different uh, things, but at the very base thing, we see how much time someone is dedicating and what type of content he or she is creating. And obviously the dedication that they want to put in because, uh, you know, like uh, not just delivering content as of now is the key, but also putting it in different media streams, marketing it in your own way. And at the same time, you know, uh, 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 trying to do more exciting stuff. I mean, moving out of a comfort zone, that's the best part. So if you are just a gaming creator and if there is a very big broadcasting house saying, hey, we want someone for the 
uh, uh, you can say podcast or for the commentary for that particular esports tournament and uh, that creator says hey yeah i want to try it so that's you moving out of your comfort zone and trying something new and maybe he or she might be good at it he um, we never know and if he's good at it then that's his new journey is taking place so there are a lot of things uh permutations and combinations but sometimes we do have a gut feeling that he might be or she might be the next big thing and we can definitely work with them as well but in india that sounds uh, like yeah but in india it, it sounds like kind of the fun part is to um to, to find people that you may not expect yes. to be be good and they may not expect to be good is there any kind of particular training or schooling that that you find helpful for content creators or is it more the 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 dedication and the real world experience no i think uh, uh that's where we come in as of now because we are trying to bring in a lot of academical value with uh you know the creation of the content part and we really want you know like people to have a basic course where they understand the uh, you know like uh, uh pros and cons of spending that much time in that particular career level as well and also get to know about what you know is good uh, uh what, what what are the basic like when you start with english you have to start your alphabets so in every profession there needs to be a course a certified degree where they when they can actually go forward as of now uh we do not have certain things in india that we are trying to build up the one which you said definitely is on the card but there are a lot of startups who have started you know new uh, uh you can say ways of putting master classes for young guys who wants to be content creators or maybe want to wants to do uh improv comedy or or are actually you know into gaming as well how can you can be a good gamer as well so at the end of the day uh we do support you know these brands as well where these brands are currently trying to support these creators but yes uh uh the academic side is really on the cards and that's that's actually one of the future prospects that we are also looking at i think that's really true in a lot of a lot of the world that yeah. in the US as far as training i mean there's there are some universities that that have training but not not that many so it's it's something that's going to be uh advancing in the future because we're always talking about jobs here at the gamers change lives and you're talking about um you, you were start you you mentioned some of the people at resilience other than the content creators you were talking about people who find the content creators can you describe some of the jobs that that are created at that are are in existence at resilience because of doing the content creation because one of the things that we find here a lot of times is that people think of jobs in esports is a player you've got to be the the shooter yeah. it's like but that's like that's the little tiny bit of the entire industry which we're trying to illuminate here could you describe some of the other people that work at resilience definitely why not we have tons of people uh working in resilience not just because we are uh i mean uh i mean you know like we, we do have uh i mean different types of positions available as of now uh for people also wants to explore so the first and the foremost thing that uh most of our people are currently working in as stand managers who are looking into the creators and at the same time there is a, a huge you know uh, partnerships and growth team as well who is currently looking into the partnerships and growth we have a very huge tech team as well with uh, three four people 
currently joined us who joined us new we have a design team who is working on products design i mean it's uh, i mean the people who say that a gaming company is just the can say the esports players and the coaches the athletes etc they are you know like it's just a one arm of esports which is into the competitive side but i mean if you today talk about brands like riot games i mean they are an ecosystem i think they do have you know like a lot of other people as well who are doing a lot of other stuff we have a legal team they have a finance team obviously we do have the same things uh running a gaming company is just like any other company uh it's not just that i mean the esports athletes are just a part of that whole big ecosystem it's just like they are you know two three trees in the whole forest the other people that i mean there are diet and nutrition there is you know like normal sports so esports is actually sports is just electronic sports uh, just because of the e people consider it that it's a whole different ecosystem but it's not uh i mean you do have uh, uh, fitness coaches dietitian i mean i mean like when nutritions are, are looking at the diets uh, there are other you can say uh, um uh, mental physic coaches for this esports teams i mean there there are a lot of job opportunities coming up and uh, you know like uh, in residency if i am talking specifically we are mo- mostly looking into the tech side for the coming you can say 10 to 15 years and hence uh, we are looking at uh, expanding our tech side so recently a lot of people have joined in so yeah i mean i think i was um, i was clear about uh, with the jobs uh, and the posts that i say and uh, i i hope uh, i mean for the other companies also in currently in india looking into the gaming side and they do have uh, different types of diversifies uh, you can say uh, posts or maybe you can say opportunities that are available in the market and the best part is that uh, they are expanding i mean aggressively into the market as well what i like hearing you talk about is you just started you started walking through all these different parts and then then you started to think of well then there's this and then there's this and then there's this because there's and then pretty soon you come back to um thinking of esports as it's really sports i mean it, the organization in many ways resembles uh traditional sports which it really does and there's just there's so many jobs out there that i really like the way that you describe that you also work with brands at resilience as well right can you talk a little bit about what you do with brands and how you um get those relationships in place so uh, in the talent management side obviously the brands are quite an important factor because uh, as of now uh, uh, since we work with a lot of the global creators uh, there are few brands that want to you know enter a particular industry in terms of the levels and obviously they have a target audience as said that they want to capture for their products uh, in different ways so obviously creators having a very huge uh, distribution network through their channels allow these brands to you know directly target them as well so in short on the agency phase what we do and we establish this kinds of you know long term relationship with the brands luckily we have currently a 40 plus clientele not just from india we have around your you can say 50 50 split of around indian brands and brands you can say covered globally and some of the huge names are like ea as an electronic arts uh, and and the publishing houses like arena and uh, uh, obviously uh, some of the biggest non endemic brands like parley and uh, some of the 
you can say big beverage brands like Red Bull and and, and the other you can say non-endemic brands in the food and beverage industries are already working with us for different creators as we speak. Uh, uh, the best part about creating these relationships are not just from the creator's perspective, but a lot of IPs that can be developed as a gaming company. And thus uh, coming uh, in front, you know, to speak about two of our products, I guess this is the first uh, podcast uh, where I'm speaking about um, these two products as of now, as in Stomp and Lawn, that will be released, that will be released by later this year, maybe my next year, early. So these products will specifically focus on a lot of these relationships and at the same time, you know, giving opportunities for gamers and likewise audiences as well. So, yes, uh, uh, the brand relationships that we create helps these creators to actually run certain campaigns inside their channels or mostly, you know, uh, with these uh, uh, campaigns that are being allotted maybe by the brand side as well. And in short, our monetizing factor for the creators as well. Yes, yes, that's what pays the bills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about, you, you're talking about endemic and non-endemic brands. Mm-hmm. Would you go out and you talk to someone that is non-endemic, someone that doesn't know much about esports what kinds of things do you, can you talk to a brand about that kind of brings them over the finish line that gets them interested in esports where before they probably had no idea what esports existed other than their kids play it all the time yes yeah, true uh so the current itinerary of the brands are not specific to anything because as we speak and as we are speaking the gaming industry and the esports industry is entering the lifestyle industry if you see so a lot of these creators who are now playing games are also icons for the daily youth and youth of around the age group of around 25 30 even 30 plus and these guys are spending capacities of different experimental products i mean i mean maybe they would love to have a new banking card they would love to have a credit card without making a bank account so all these applications and brands who are currently trying to portray or maybe enter the business would love to have, have you know these audiences as a part of their global you can say audience base and at the same time the creators are therefore you know uh, approached on a daily and a monthly basis or even uh, in bigger deals for you know these exciting products to be promoted through the channel uh, because the target category is the important part if somebody wants you know a, a company who is looking into kind of wrinkled skin care products or something like that would love to have uh, someone from the old age category audiences that they want to have so they would go their own way of marketing but if a product is uh, about you know a very very kind of a uh, you know exciting energy drink it is about maybe a a banking card or maybe it's it's cool t-shirts or cool you know sneakers then they would want to have uh, people of the age group of that particular category would buy it. So the creators have that relevant category available on their channels and hence it's good for the brands as well to convert these people into a regular customer. So that's why they uh, would enter the esports industry because 99% of the gamers now have audiences who are able to spend uh, uh, and also buy new exciting stuff and not just once or twice but actually, I mean, 
tons and tons of uh, money is being spent on buying, you know, uh, through e-commerce websites or different applications. So that's why I guess uh, the endemic and non-endemic brands are not just looking into the endemic and the non-endemic side now, but rather concentrating on the audiences uh, who are, you know, able to spend money on these particular products. And hence, uh, they want a bit of uh, gaming and other people uh, maybe uh, the relevant audience to go through. And hence the gamers are also getting a lot of campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just all kinds of, of things to talk about when it comes to the brand side of things, because it, it really is important that uh, the education, the education part of educating the brands about the industry and everything. But I want, also want to check on some other things here. Talking about mobile. Do you think mobile is the future of esports in India? Uh, actually, it depends uh, on the you know, on the on the on the people and the countries as well. In India, uh, I mean, there are a lot of uh, things that comes forward. For example, like a, a PC component or a whole built PC in India is much more, you can say, is expensive than it's in Europe. Or, or, or in the U.S. because of the currency difference as well, and a mobile phone is much more cheaper. Plus, at the same time, uh, India is a developing country, so there are a lot of new opportunities also being created on a daily level. But generally, on an average user level, a 25-year-old guy gets to spend a less amount of you know, can say money rather than a guy from the Europe side or maybe uh, 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 on the U.S. side. So that that's why in India, uh, mobile game is much more, you can say, crazier than it's in the uh, Western countries. And hence, uh, it's, it's available here. But there is a huge part here. As we are speaking, I mean, this question, if somebody asked me 10 months ago when I started off my business, uh, it, I had a different perspective. Post 10 months, the data that I have, the data that my team has acquired, the data that we are seeing is totally different. On a daily level, you can see an increment of around 0.02% of PC gamers now in India. It's because of unknown reasons. We also don't know why PC gamers can say uh, rising, the numbers are rising. Because maybe the PC components are cheaper now. There are a lot of new brands coming up. There might be even reasons parents might be giving them a lot of good pocket monies as well, and we never know. So uh, maybe uh, they might be earning some different decent, uh, you can say, uh, uh, I mean, revenue for themselves to buy these products. But uh, the PC gamers are increasing, and I think uh, in a span of uh, two to three years, they'll be they'll be equal. And at the same time, the PC gamers are much more, you can say matured in terms of the mobile gamer when it comes to age because age is a very important factor i mean everybody has access to mobiles and a 16 year old has an access to mobile but a 16 year old buying a, a 3090 rtx uh, or maybe buying a gaming component pc would be uh would find it difficult so uh, obviously uh the rise in numbers is quite visible because the data that I had last month on my hand uh, with with my team, uh, or I mean, sparked a very huge dis- huge discussion that hey, 
this number is ever ever growing and we can just see it to be around you can say 27.8% by maybe uh by maybe around you can say december or january next year what i like hearing you talk about is the data is the numbers it's like cuz i've always i've always liked the data side of any business but i can hear you keep bringing that up over and over which i think is that's is, the best is, part that's the sweet spot Tom. i mean like <laughs> So, yeah, it's like it, it's like that from a marketing standpoint, it was always so much easier to do be in direct marketing because you could show the results instead of trying to have some kind of you know explain reach and things like that on TV. It's like no, this is how many people you know clicked on the email sort of thing. I mean, it's just the, the whole numbers. That when I worked at Netflix starting on the early early wow. days, one of the things, one of the reasons that Netflix has been so successful is that we always the guys that started it their emphasis was always on the data. It's like, I will bet you the third person hired at Netflix was the data guy. And he would just, and I was doing all the email marketing for them uh, back in the very beginning. And it was so great to be able to go to the data guys and say, Hey, can, can you help me do this? And they'd be like, Oh yeah. That, you know, they were like, you know, crazy. It's like, yeah, let's look at this. Let's look at this. And we just learned so much by paying attention to what people were we're telling us that way. So that's why I like hearing you talk talk about the, the data there. Feedbacks are the uh, best part of developing a product. I mean, that's what I feel. And since we are in the product making phase, I mean, uh, uh, we would love to have feedbacks from everyone, the best, the bad, the worst, the worst, everything. I mean, that's how obviously we can bring the best quality products in front of the people and also for the gamers that are, you know, are uh, 99% uh, relevant in say audience. Yes, yes. What what platform do p- most people play on in India? Is it, because here it's like Twitch, you know, Facebook gaming is way back and, and YouTube gaming isn't nearly as popular. Oh, you guys have Loco, don't you? Yes, we have, uh, we have Loco. Yes, Loco is one of our probable partners. We have Ruta, uh, we used to work with Ruta. Uh, we have Buya, which is also, a very very important uh you can say platform uh, made by Garina with love for the free fire audiences and all the other uh you know you can say pc gaming people as well but 99 percent it's youtube because youtube and facebook gaming and yeah facebook gaming has a very huge market in india because uh these two are the major stakeholders in the current uh you can say uh, streaming industry and all the people find it relevant are going to Facebook and uh, uh, YouTube as well because the audience space is also quite high there. And at the same time, there are a few people who also post their content on Instagram. There are a lot of different uh, products coming up in India as well from, from, can say, from the European side. We have Bolt. Bolt is one of our probable partners. I mean, we are working. Uh, currently, we also have you know, started on new operations to work together as well. Both is a blockchain-based streaming platform. Uh, we have other streaming platforms, uh, like uh, you can say, uh, there, there were two and three uh, streaming new platforms that uh, recently tried to enter the Indian uh, ecosystem and had a very good response by the audience as well. Do you, do you find that, you say that YouTube gaming is very, very popular there. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. People it use it a lot. Do you, do you find that YouTube invests back in the community? Do you do they support the community? Do they come back and sponsor things? Do you think, or or are they just 
or do they they not take as active a role as they might? That's a very interesting question, uh, to be honest. Uh, so it totally depends. Now, uh, if I give you a very uh, database answer like you 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 would prefer, so YouTube now has around 170 million gamers who stream uh, just on YouTube and from India. Loco has around, you can say, 20, 10 to 20 million user base, but there are, you can say, common Venn diagrams of around 15 to 20% each, even more than that. Uh, last time we checked, it was around 20 to 25%. So at the end of the day, uh, you have less amount of people to tend to when you are local, but in YouTube, you have a lot of people to tend to. So the investments are also of that sort. I mean, you just talk with the upper tier maybe and the mid, mid and the lower tier, you let, let them explore and then come up to that level before you start investing. But in, in case of a local, you can say, application that is being developed in India, like a local or maybe like a router, who is also a very, very, you can say, a famous application in the streaming side, they have lots and lots of time. And, and obviously, they, their job is to basically retain more users rather than YouTube because YouTube is now a terminology. I mean, you can say, let's YouTube it. Just love, let's Google it. So once you enter that phase, that means you do not want marketing for your product. I mean, if you need marketing for your product, you have to invest back, right? But other way, I mean, people will have to go to you in order to survive in the market because YouTube is actually, a, you can say, an online market of stuff as well. So that's how it is. I mean, I hope the rest, I don't need to explain. You already understood what I wanted to say. And for the audiences, they are also, I can say, uh, brilliant enough to get the gist of my answer as well. One one of the things that I have noticed in certain parts of the world, maybe more in Southeast Asia, um, that Facebook gaming has yes. invested there. And because they've invested uh, it, in certain countries, I, it, there's a, a little map that I, I see every once in a while that has like, you know, the, the dominant platform in each country in the world kind of thing. And it's always like Southeast Asia, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia is always blue for Facebook. And it's always interesting to see how they came in to, um, you know, they decided, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be a bigger player here. And yes. so we're going to, and the, the, both YouTube and Facebook have the resources. True, true, true. They, they can invest anywhere. So just interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean, that. Uh, adding to what you said, Tom, I mean, Facebook has also invested heavily in India because the Facebook partnership program for the streamers currently, which is uh, quite famous here in the Indian region, uh, has tons and tons of streamers. Uh, they have like a good, uh, you can say, uh, model of, uh, you can say, table of, of, of uh, uh, subsidized, you know, uh, salary model for the creators on a monthly basis or the recruitment is also very huge. I mean, every month, I guess 1,000, 2,000 new names are added into that list uh, as we speak. And it's good that they are doing. And at the same time, uh, the Facebook team has also organized a bit of new events of, you know, meet and great events with their audiences, fan events, you can fan engagement events. I mean, all these things are very much new. YouTube Fan Fest is also one of the biggest uh, uh it's a fan meet and greet event in India. And Facebook has also started doing so on a larger scale. So I just don't know how exciting it's going to be for the past coming year, for the, sorry, for the, for the next coming years, I'm sorry. And uh, the best part will be, obviously, people will get the option to go and 
the more opportunities for gamers, the more happier we are. I mean, that's how we are. It's just great that people are paying people are paying attention to you. I mean, it just it just speaks to how large the audience is there. I mean, it's India just, has a very huge audience. I mean, we yes, generate six point two billion impressions. So, I mean, we it, just yeah. It, the other part is the language because it's a very English speaking language. Can you talk about how language in in, in India? impacts esports because yes i mean people probably for the most part can speak english but there's also going to be a lot we talked to mitch esquera from galaxy racer for example he's talking about philippines a thousand languages it's like so but in india there's going to be a lot of different languages how do languages impact esports and how does esports kind of get get uh get along with that that's also uh you can say a very very interesting question that i've put up and I'd love to answer that. So, uh, as for most of the people know, India is the second largest English-speaking country, but at the same time, has uh, on documented level has just twenty-two languages. But if you see the regional languages that people speak, it's more than thousands. Uh, so, I mean, just from the south, the southern part of India, five uh, official languages are there. And the southern community has, you know, huge audience space for esports and gaming uh, creators. I mean, they are so so loyal to the uh, esports athletes slash creators that you can say. Uh, I mean, even a Bollywood actor has such kind of you know reception in front of their houses when they go and when they come out. I mean, that's the fan base we are talking about. So language is very important for the for the creators because that's how they can also detain a lot of audiences work with native and local brands and at the same time i mean uh have a versatility in the uh in the space of gaming as well if there might be certain people who do not understand certain languages just have their vocabulary settled on one or two languages and they find it useful to learn information from it in youtube if somebody does a how to video if somebody creates certain videos on how to play the game, how to master it, uh, uh, maybe stream it. So the options, the more, I mean, the more the options, it's better. In a tournament, you have, you know, six, seven broadcasting languages, maybe. Uh, like, for example, Crafting, B, uh, the BGMI, the game, uh, which was formerly known as PUBG Mobile, uh, when it has competitions, or uh, you can see sports tournaments, LAN, LAN events across India. I mean, there are, uh, you know, four or five broadcasting languages. It becomes easier for people to even understand. And that will create a sense of, you know, like uh, you can say uh, a passion maybe or maybe a sense of trust that, hey, I mean, we are also being seen. I mean, uh, and our language is also being seen. I think, I mean, this creator is also help us promote our language to the other people as well because uh, language unites is the first thing, if you know. I mean, if you speak the same sense of language, you already connect 50% because you guys belong from the same place. So in Indian uh, uh, regions, uh, the more, you can say, creators we are actually uh, grooming, the more uh, languages are coming out. And at the same time, these languages are helping them retain public, uh, helping them monetize their traffic, uh, helping the local brands to be also promoted in the, uh, in the YouTube universe or maybe in the other universe. Uh, streaming universe and at the same time uh, helping also new young people see that there is a career in that particular uh, game or the particular you know uh, 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 
game title that the particular creator is playing or even in the activity that he or she is doing. That's it's one of the things that Mitch was talking about was the fact that someone in the Philippines can watch YouTube of the of someone playing Mortal Kombat in Thailand, not understand a word what they're saying, but it's like but they still they, they still can can get something out of the the video. Want to talk about one last thing here. I, sure. There's there's 14 things I did not get to on the list here. This has been a really good conversation. But one of the things I want to talk about a little bit, we always ask everyone, should esports be included in the Olympics? Yes. I mean, we, uh, uh, I, I, I'm still a major, you can say, uh, yes sayer for the Asian Games and the Commonwealth Games. So Olympics is obviously a yes for me. I mean, that's what I personally want. We had tons of discussion with uh, uh, with ESFI when I was working. I mean, working there as a volunteer, and still now I'm talking with Mr. Lokesh Suji on occasional levels. Uh, I definitely see the growth that ESFI has done in India, and at the same time, there are also new prospects that I cannot reveal in the podcast, which I'm really sorry to say, but is currently being done with the government as we speak, and we are also working with the government side. To build a certain, you know, IPs and certain movements for esports and uh, gaming as a whole in India, and also, you know, uh, I mean, segregating a few uh, facts about esports of what is esports and what not is esports, etc. And all these things are very, very instrumental and will be, you know, seen in the next five to ten years as to see the change in what uh, people will uh, get to understand about esports and what not to understand about esports because once you have something on dialogue uh, in a written format on a data format you will understand uh, the terms and terminologies about what esports is meant to be and what we want to portray for for the future generation as well so yes uh, frankly speaking i would love i would be the ha- obviously one of the happiest person on the planet when it will be, uh, you can say, uh, uh, accepted in the esports as, uh, as, as in the Olympics as a medal event. But s- still, now a lot of things and a lot of you know, a uh, uh, lot of uh, journeys to follow. But I'm pretty excited about the Asian Games and the Commonwealth Games uh, when these events will follow. And uh, let's see how it goes. I mean, I'll be definitely, uh, I mean, looking forward to see that. There'll be a lot of you know new talents coming up, and with the new game with the Commonwealth Games, yeah. with the Commonwealth Games, are those going to be medal? Yes, yes, yes. Commonwealth Games uh, has you can say uh, already uh, taken esports as a medal event, so it will be a medal event in Birmingham. Uh, I, I guess Birmingham is the place where Commonwealth Games will be organized, right? So yeah, it will be a medal event, as per my knowledge. Yeah. The yeah, one of the great things or one of the interesting things that will happen with the Olympics, with the Asian Games, with any of these is how do you qualify teams to to go to the event? Now, it sounds like it's the um, the ESFI there uh-huh. in in India that they are they the ones the responsibility. That, yeah, they're the ones that say. So they're the ones that, are, that qualify the teams. So there were certain regional events as well which were being held uh, in Iliad. Uh, there was, in Israel, there was certain events. There were ranking systems being started off with. Uh, uh, there were also uh, 
for the for the Southeast Asian countries, there was a Southeast Asian championship before the Asian Games. I guess the Asian Games were also delayed due to uh, COVID yep. Yep. Uh, and the other restrictions that they follow. And at the same time, uh, there were a lot of regional-based competitions also that were conducted inside India, qualifiers, etc. So all these are uh, added up to be the selectorial process for you know uh, for the teams that are going to represent the country. And I feel, I mean, the right set of people are being selected, and uh, uh, I feel that the these these young guys have already you know. Uh, uh, past enough examinations i mean inter country examinations to go and uh, uh basically you can say participate in the uh, uh in the countries uh, as a nation games event and uh, so this ranking systems are of very much value and uh, the ranking system had a very huge impact on selecting the uh, you know the teams uh, for the particular game titles and also the individuals for the individual game titles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, one of the things from the jobs standpoint is I mean, particularly if the Olympics moves in, comes in and just all the jobs that will be created to create yes. all the teams around the world. I mean, if every, every little country, every country, not just the little ones, every country yeah. that is creating a team to go, <clears throat> there's, there's an organization there that's going to be creating jobs. And there's also, going to be a lot of sponsors coming in that maybe weren't there before exactly well. exactly i mean even in uh, uh asian games and commonwealth games we saw that uh there were a lot of new brands which were interested uh to you know sponsor the team so maybe sponsor the uh, uh whole organization as in the indian olympic association as a whole we had also a few plans to do certain you know, like activities with the IOA and which are still undergoing and uh, will be public, I guess, next month onwards or maybe next to next month. So a lot of new things coming up from that side as well, from the branding activity side as well. And at the same time, uh, I mean, uh, IPL has also impacted a lot of brands uh, and hence, uh, you know, like cricket is currently obviously one of the best sports in india uh, is the best sports in india that has been followed and secondly gaming is also because a lot of you know young guys and young people are moving forward to the gaming if you see the data for the last uh one year as well the combined uh movie and you know music industry has not been accumulated uh has not you know accumulated that much uh, you can say viewership that alone the gaming industry has accumulated so that's obviously the biggest, uh, you can say, inspiration that the gamers get. That hey, I mean, not the Bollywood and the music industry is able to get much, you can say, a viewership that we can get. So obviously, gaming is the next big thing that is in India. So I guess uh, people need to find, you know, like relevant uh, uh, sources and activities for supporting the gaming talents and obviously the gaming ecosystem in India, not just India, but in the global level. That's a good. It's a good place to be. It's interesting. You're, you're talking about cricket. I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I was in Fiji, and in Fiji, half the population is from India, and yes. so I, I really got to know a lot of of the culture there. One of the things people in Fiji were crazy about was cricket, 
<laughs> they would, you know, because it was just like, is that boy? I, and I learned more about cricket and rugby than, of course, you ever, ever hear in the U.S. Hey, you know, I, I want to respect your time here. I really Thank appreciate you. you taking a little bit of time here. We sure. will, we'll talk again. I am yes, sure. Yes, definitely. Why not? I mean, I'd love I, to. I, yeah, yeah. Really good to hear about res, uh, resilience. Also, you're you're thinking about the future. Because that's 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 the exciting part, especially where the jobs. Your description of the jobs was one of the best that that we've had Thank here. You. It's just Thank like you know, it's just like because there are so many jobs out there. Where can people find you online? Uh, I'm I'm available in LinkedIn. You can obviously find me. I'm very very active in LinkedIn. I usually reply in minutes, uh, even on Sundays and Saturdays. So uh, that's how I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm. I was really, I'm really sorry for the inconvenience, though. Uh, do not worry. Yeah. Do not worry. Yeah. So anyway, um, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm really available in LinkedIn, and <clears throat> also uh, our website has a a query section that is pretty well handled, and typically they reply in minutes as well. So we have around thousands of queries every month. So yes, uh, we solve them in really you can say minutes. So. Yeah, I mean, like, we are really, really, you can say, uh, as gamers, we can, I mean, the best place I think people can find us is after 11 p.m. or maybe 12, p- 12 a.m. in our uh, PS or Steam accounts. <laughs> but, just kidding, but, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm available in LinkedIn. Thank you. No, no, that's great. Hey, uh, just to wrap up here, I invite everyone to subscribe to the podcast, where sure. we listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media. That way, everyone will be notified as soon as the next episode is available. We're going to be talking to some great guests, talk talk about esports organizations, how they create jobs. We have some really good guests, just like Demon, that are coming up. And so you do not want to miss out. So thanks again for listening. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. <laughs>